You're listening to the Lost Chill Podcast with Katie and Kimmy. For years now, I have had the pleasure of listening to the wit, banter, and pure joy from these two, and now I invite you to share in the delight of listening to them discuss the books they're currently reading. Whether you are a fellow dedicated bibliophile or simply wish you had more time to read, you will love hearing the insight and discussions around the stories they dive into. So grab a cup of coffee or pour a glass of wine and let's jump on in. Katie and Kimmy, take it away. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Lost Chill Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Kimmy. We are your, insert adjective here, hosts. Yes, very good hosts. I couldn't think, we have Marvelous written down again. (laughs) We're already out of adjectives for us. It took 17 episodes. 17 adjectives. And we're all out. We'll have to work on this. We're going to have to get a thesaurus. (laughs) So, like we said, episode 17. This week, we're discussing 1984 by George Orwell. But before we jump into that, Katie, what have you been reading? So. Yes. We got air guns pointing at each other right now. Pew, pew, pew. I read a book that you read. Yeah, you did. And not for this podcast. That's rare. Rare. But I had to. All right. What book is this? Let's dive into this real quick. <laughs> you guys are going to be getting a review within a review. You of are. Book. We're going to unpack some things real quick. So we both read uh, The Last Thing He Told Me. By Laura Daves. Thank you. And it's a book of the month pick. It's a Reese pick. It's gonna, an everything pick. It's going HBO. to be a show. Yeah. yeah. Like everybody is obsessed with this book. We were approved for this arc. Like a few months ago. Right. We didn't read it until recently. Um, you read it and you posted a review on your Instagram page and you were like, I have an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't really care for this book. Like it was good, but it wasn't. It wasn't great. And I did try to, I didn't want to give it away. Right. Because I knew everyone was getting it in their book and of the month. you read it before, before book a month yeah. was even being mailed out. Yeah, and so I was like, I don't know if my expectations were too high. I was expecting, like, you know, raising the hair on the back of your neck and tingly thriller suspense. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, maybe adjust your expectations. I don't know. Yeah. But that's not even necessarily where it fell short for no. me. So I was like, all right, so everybody in this world loves this book. Mm-hmm. There's several except people. Me. <laughs> yes, except for Kimmy. There's several people that we both follow on Instagram that we interact with on a daily basis that wrote glowing reviews about this book. And I was like, what is she missing? Like, what? I, I got to figure out if I'm Team Kimmy or Team Rest of the World. <laughs> so I immediately moved this to the top of my TBR above anything else even before 1984 she has a strong desire to tell me i'm crazy and wrong no i just had a strong (laughs) desire to see why your opinion was so different than everybody else's all right and i have to say i am team kimmy yeah this book is good but it's not stand on the rooftop like everybody is about it it does draw you in. It does. It's the first seventy-five percent of this book is fantastic. Yeah, and I also I've read some people and how I even kind of 
I don't know, tried to skew it of it being like an unfolding mystery. But one thing I really didn't like about it is I didn't think it unfolded that much. Like she got to her place, she found the places, but once she figured out who her husband was, it like just stopped and it was like, all right, here's everything. Right. Just spell it out for you. Yeah. Like build up, build up, build up. All right, here it is. We're not going to keep you guessing any longer. I didn't yeah. like that. I liked the first 75% of this yeah. book. And then as soon as she was talking to the old mob boss man, whatever his name was, I don't oh, remember. God. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just basically finishing it to see where this goes. I'm completely checked out. Like, yeah, not. it did not live up to the hype. And I'm sorry if you love this book. It's good. It is good. I'll watch the show. Yeah, absolutely. I will. It, it's good, but it does not live up to the hype for me. I'm glad I did not pick it for my book of the month. Me too. I just started another arc called And the Stars Kept Watch. It's a, it's a sad book. You won't like it. But some of our friends, some of my book twins, if you will, on Instagram, mm-hmm. they would like it, I think. So... Got my heart all ripped out before dinner today. It was glorious. Oh, gosh. We will be constantly posting reviews all over our Instagrams, so you should be there. You can find us at Katie's Lost Chill and at Kimmy's Lost Chill. Of course, the Instagram for the podcast is at The Lost Chill. And this week, we're going to focus on 1984, the book, not the year, because that would be weird. We sincerely hope you join the conversation about this book with us there. Real quick, before we forget, we do want to mention some trigger warnings of torture, war, and overreaching government control. And of course, there will be spoilers, but I'm pretty sure that Mrs. Elm assigned this book to you back in high school, so if you haven't read it yet, shame on you. Go write that report. It was right after Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> yeah. It was the next week. Yeah, which yeah. we all read in high school for sure. Yeah, I didn't yeah, skip that one. No. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. All right, let me let me get my soundboard up and ready, queued up. The party has officially started. Let's go. So, 1984 was not written in 1984. 1984 was written by George Orwell in 1949. Orwell is very well known for being an outspoken supporter of socialism, which we see a lot of in this book. There's even an adjective used to describe totalitarian and authoritarian social practices that pays homage to Orwell. Orwellian. George Orwell was born in India and then moved to, with his family to London. And he was also born under the name of Eric Arthur Blair. Eventually, he was a teacher in London at a high school with about 14 to 16 boys. And there was another teacher that worked there with him. So there's only two teachers at this school. Uh, I don't know a lot about this, but he also wrote an essay called Clink, which is about his failed attempts to go to prison, which I'm pretty intrigued with, and I'm going to have to look up a little bit more. But he eventually changed his name because he wished to avoid embarrassing his family with his writings. That's very nice of him. Yeah. He chose George Orwell because it's a well-rounded English name. So he's pretty known for 1984 and Animal Farm. Those are his two main ones. But he was also an essayist. So he wrote a lot of essays, many of which like we've really never heard of. And there's way too many to even list. So he was diagnosed with tuberculosis in 1947. And his, his health 
declined pretty quickly. And in 1949, he married his love, Sonia Brownell. Brownell? So that was a busy year for him. That's when he wrote this book Mm -hmm. and got married. Yep. In his hospital room. So he was extremely sick, Hmm. wrote this book, and married the love of his life. And then died in January of 1950 after an artery in his lung burst. As I can always go on with my little author segment here, I won't. We'll dive into 1984. Five years before Taylor Swift was born. Two years before I was born. I'm sorry, who are you? (laughs) Just kidding. That was one of the best days of my life. I'll see myself out. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. More than her. I would pick you over her. That's a lie. If it was. <laughs> okay, I so one, I get you every day. If it was like, oh, who are you going to go to dinner with? Are you going to go with Katie, who you'll see next week as well? Or are you going to go with Taylor Swift? Then it would be Taylor Swift. It was, If it was like, you can meet Taylor Swift, but you can never see Katie again, I would pick you. Oh, that's the sweetest The thing rest ever. of the context matters. <laughs> okay? Okay, fair enough. I'll take it. It's a win. So, in the book, 1984, the year is 1984. Whoa. Maybe. Possibly. Don't know. It's not confirmed. Because Big Brother has done away with measuring time in such a manner. Nothing like that is clear or defined anymore. The only truth is what the government, a.k.a. Big Brother, says it is. And the main character, Winston Smith, knows for a fact that the government is altering facts when it's convenient or necessary for them. In fact, 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 that is what Winston's job is, to help change past publications and documents to ensure consistency and that they match what Big Brother is saying currently. We spend a lot of time in this story learning the nuances of this government, as well as the particulars which are woven in as George starts wanting to rebel against this government, meets a like-minded minx named Julia, and then together they meet someone and try to join the top secret, top secret brotherhood who is trying to defeat Big Brother. Oh, rats. <laughs> Was that your joke? No. Oh. <laughs> I was just wanting to do that after <laughs> you were reading it. And I was like, oh, I need to say something about rats. <laughs> Oh, you. (laughs) Oh. I'm funny. Okay, so prove you're funny then. (sighs) Kimmy. Yes. I am devastated. Why? What happened? I I can't talk about it. You must. Somebody stole my first edition copies of 1984. And Animal Farm. Oh, no. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) The theatrics. My goodness. (laughs) You didn't like my joke? I loved your joke. Oh, it was very punny. So punny. Yeah. Without a doubt, you are currently enjoying the pure hilarity and delight while listening to the Lost Chill podcast. But I know, in about an hour or so, that old familiar sinking feeling will creep in, 
What do you even do each week after you finish listening to the latest episode of The Lost Chill? You miss the crazy shenanigans, the silly hootenanny, the general hullabaloo? If only there was another podcast you could listen to that had all those things. Well, have I got some good news for you. There is, and it's called the Death Metal Disco Podcast, hosted by our friend James who talks about whatever the heck he pleases. We can promise that you will be absolutely tickled as he rambles on about anything and everything. Again, it's the Death Metal Disco Podcast. That's death as in the opposite of life, metal as in a genre of music that Taylor Swift has not gotten into yet, and disco, the place where some have been known to panic at. Be sure to check it out and be sure to let James know that Katie and Kimmy sent you. Enjoy! All right, welcome back. We hope all of your glasses are refreshed. Let's get into this world. So Winston lives in Oceana. And there's basically just three big countries. Oceana, Eurasia. And East Asia. Yeah, East Asia. So um, basically... Uh, Winston knows the whole time that uh, Oceana is always forever in war with one of these countries, and it switches randomly. Which is so weird. And they, like, just play it off. Yeah. Like, it's it's like, okay, well, we're fighting with Eurasia this week, and next week it's East, East Asia. Yeah. So. And they don't even know. But yet they're supposed to follow this shit. Eventually, we do learn very slightly um that there are a little more about the other countries and their governing classes and whatever they're called and all that but winston is in oceana and that's what we know the most and learn about this whole time so one of the big things that we've already touched on would be big brother there is like just signs everywhere inside outside of basically you're just being watched on video telescreens all the time um, so inside, outside, he talks about how the only place you're not being seen is if you're in bed sleeping and being quiet. It's so creepy because with that, why is that the only place that you get your freedom? Essentially, you don't get any freedom. That's why. In oh, the, do you mean no, why it's okay? Yeah. Wouldn't they want to see your dreams? Wouldn't they want they to can't be see your in... dreams. They can read your thoughts. They can't read your thoughts. I thought that's what the whole thought police was. <laughs> Did I miss something in the book? Yeah. No, there was like a whole part too where Winston was talking about how what's inside your brain is the one thing that you can keep to yourself. Oh. The thought police yeah. don't literally read your thoughts. Now that makes sense. But okay. they like check what you're doing and like look for a facial expression. Like... When you and I show up to the two-minute hate, which we'll get to later, I'll yeah. be like, uh, Katie didn't look very enraged today. Her face didn't even get red. Yeah. Okay. Now I know. Okay. See, the, most of the time I thought that that's what it meant. It was literal. Literal thought police during most of the book, and then it didn't explain it until later in the book, and I totally forgot about that. So my, my apologies. That's okay. So yeah, he did also talk about like how he was terrified of sleep talking. Because that was something 
you couldn't control that Mm -hmm. could really just out you automatically because they were still listening while you slept. Mm -hmm. So, and he wrote in his diary, (laughs) which was, he, he was also frightened of being found out about as well. So I think the other creepy thing, like, yes, it's obviously creepy to be watched all the time and to know, even if you're not being watched, there are probably microphones, but I, I don't even know if enjoyed is the right word, but I like how they took it to like the craziest level too of like with those big brother posters, they had like actual eyes watching you. So you could really feel seen. Um, then we already kind of touched on the thought police cause Katie thought they were something different. Um, but basically what they are is it could be anyone. I wonder if you even have to like do anything to officially join or you can just like tattle yeah. on someone. Dormant, yeah. The other thing though, is you know adults can grow up and maybe have friendships and alliances to a degree in that kind of loyalty they try really hard to stamp that out yeah but they worry about that so what better thing that they do then is they raise the children they call them spies and they basically have built-in thought police at home who are taught what to look out for and that their parents can be bad and the kids are like all for it yeah of course they're all for it and so then they're when they turn in their parents for a thought crime, they're called child heroes. And I mean, that's like the number one thing to do when you take over the world in any way, shape or form is you got to get the, you got to start them young. Yeah. So that they're behind you from the beginning. beginning. And then when it's a lifelong thing, they're less likely to stray later. That it's just the norm. Yep. So that they did that hardcore here. The other thing that they did was as adults, they didn't want you to have a lot of time. We couldn't have free time to go develop individual interests. So they'd make you go to like clubs and hang out with other adults and just sit through lectures and bullshit. Um, One of my favorite ones, quote unquote, was the anti-sex league. This was also my favorite because Julia was a part of it. (laughs) And that made me laugh so hard. The irony behind that. (laughs) It was funny. She did make it seem like not everyone in there was as like-minded as her, which would have been funnier. But the anti-sex league was mostly women is how Winston alluded to it. And they made sex seem terrible and dirty, but that you still needed to do it for the, for humanity and procreation. And um, Winston even had a wife. For the party. For the party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Winston had a wife and... Oh, she acted like it was the dirtiest, grossest thing. And she'd be like, for the party. And he'd be like, I don't even want to do this. This is stupid. She would like pull away from him and be all rigid and like make it. Who wants that? No one. But that's the point. I guess. So they did that. Um, Then the other fun thing they did was the two minute hates, which I mentioned. (laughs) And then also hate week, which was like basically... They broadcast something like, oh, we're at war with East Asia or like Goldstein's trying to take us down. Like, let's all be mad about it. So for two minutes, everyone stops what they're doing and just yells and screams at the TV. Could you imagine if this was a real thing? My favorite part, though, is that that was one of the times they're most worried about the thought police. Like, so you have to go all in with this anger. Like, I can't imagine seeing it, but then like having to go full force because then someone be like, oh, she's not mad enough. She's probably trying to take down the government. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm mad too. You can't just like do that. No, you have to get into it. Yeah. Like, it sounded like just completely crazy. I can't even imagine. <laughs> it's 
stupid. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> like, when I was reading that, I was like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Because it's like, so everybody has those things at work where you're like, why do I have to do this? Exactly. Why? This is a waste of time. This, I don't believe in it. This is silly. Think about if you had an entire nation that was like, why do I have to do this? So I still think they're stupid. I can see where they're coming from on the same thing. Like, think of all your grumpy coworkers. Not saying it would work, but there is someone who's like, you know, Charles is mad every single day. And we never know when he's going to go off and it's going to take away from his work. So what we're going to do is we're going to schedule Charles's angry time. <laughs> and so they think, like, if we can just stay ahead of it and nip it in the bud, then it won't come out all willy-nilly later and we'll control the anger. Good luck with that. But for hate weeks? That sounds exhausting. Yeah. They put so much into that. Like, to be angry... For an entire seven days and have to like fully go at it. Mm-hmm. Two minutes. All right. Sure. Whatever. Two minutes out of 24 hours in my day. Whatever. Seven days. I don't um, have that much rage. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. Like I'm a happy go lucky kind of person. And to be that negative would probably put me in an early grave. I don't want to be angry. I just want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they thought it was fun. I don't know. I'm sure there were some assholes out there that did. There had to have been. For sure. So tell me what you thought about the whole double think. (sighs) So I put the definition in here for you. Yeah. The power, or for everyone, for me too, to remember because it's a silly concept that I get in this book, but it's still silly and dumb. It's the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously while accepting both of them. And that's basically, I think, their way of always being right and never being wrong because they basically say both things at once. So it's obviously true because it's not untrue, but it's obviously a lie because it can't be false. Like, it just... It's... it's- just like what you did, like running around in circles. Yes. Because when I first read it, I was like, oh, that's kind of profound. And I'm like, but wait, it's not. <laughs> but it kind of is. <laughs> but it's not. Right. And it's just like you're constantly going back and forth and you're just like. It's the loophole they give themselves. It, it really is. And so it's like, okay, this isn't really anything. One of the, so they have a lot of slogans. Some are shorter, like the war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, that are obvious in those things that I think they go in circle to try to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that really got me was um, whoever controls the past controls the future, and whoever controls the present controls the past. Yeah. Which was basically their bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. So that was... That was something else that was interesting to me that like was one of those things that for sure it made all the sense with while making none of the sense, but it protected them. Yeah, this is actually something I spent a lot of time thinking about, honestly, where it was all of these little slogans because I was just trying to see them from all sides and trying to understand. And then I'm like, oh, I could get behind like war is peace. Like I can understand that. But then I'm like, but no, I don't. 
no. And then I'm like, but yes. And it's just this internal conflict <laughs> over and over and over. And I mean, if you think about it, even the ignorance is strength. That's an internal conflict. Yeah, that's ignorance is strength because you can think that you're completely right about something because you don't have all of the information that you refuse to see. And really, it's just that one, especially is it the same as ignorance is bliss? Yeah. Yeah. Because you you seem like you're strong. You seem like you're blissful Mm -hmm. because you don't know any better. (laughs) Yeah. So it it makes all the sense and yet none of the sense, which is hilarious. The other time that they used this double think was for their ministries. Um, In the beginning, Winston explains it as the ministry of truth being news, entertainment, education, the ministry of peace, which concerned itself with war, the ministry of love, which was said to maintain law and order, and then the ministry of plenty, which was responsible for economic affairs. But then later, when he gets the book from Goldstein, he said that the Ministry of Peace concerns itself with war, which was the same. But then the Ministry of Truth was lies, which to me was like, yeah, because that's all the propaganda and stuff that Winston deals with. The Ministry of Love with torture, which is what we also found out later. And then um, the Ministry of Plenty with starvation. Which is so... That one was also such a mind trip because they were extra terrible. Yeah. Because they say plenty, but they would just change the stats. So it like looked like, oh, we, you know, really increased our output this time, but they just changed the numbers and it meant yeah. nothing. And they were just making BS up. With that, they were sitting all fat and sitting all large with their rations. Mm-hmm. Or if you could even call them rations, they basically had access to all of the good stuff. They had real coffee, real milk, real food, real cigarettes. And everybody else is left with fake sugar, fake coffee, victory cigarettes, which I don't even know what that is. All of these things that were second rate, they didn't have access to any real things. Those uh, second class, second class things, that's a good way to put it, were the things getting rationed. It wasn't even the good stuff getting rationed. Right. And that was also like, oh, if everyone just has everything, you can't control them anymore because they'll be too happy and they won't have any needs. So just destroy the surplus with war, probably. Probably. (laughs) So um, there's lots of other little things, but the final one we'll discuss right now is one of my favorites because, one, I like words. And two, I've read multiple books this year about the creation of dictionaries and not the creation of languages. But it's also the, like, it's like the documentation of languages. Obviously, for the most part, these are always expanding and being added. It's always like, you know, a little clickbait in today's world when you yeah. see what words have been officially added yeah. to the dictionary. So here they were developing a language where it was impossible to create thought crimes. And it was called Newspeak. And they boasted that it was the only language that was getting smaller. And they said, for example, you don't need words such as bad good, super, and excellent. All you need is good, and then you can just add prefixes and suffixes there of ungood, plus good, double plus good, and that's all you need. I was not a fan of the news speak. I didn't like it. It was stupid and hard to understand. Yeah. But I just liked... You like the the, concept. The concept. I don't want to make language smaller, but it was just interesting to see the same concept of a dictionary 
being documented and how what goes into making it from the dystopian angle. Okay, I see what you mean. Because even like the double think, I'm like, why why are we changing this? So lots of stuff here. I enjoy the you know world building and yeah these kind of books. I do. This one was a little bit different because. With a lot of dystopian novels, I mean, I think that you can certainly see it happening a lot further down the road. I could certainly see this happening, and obviously George Orwell could see this happening, but he was also going through World War II. I think that this world was built well. I did not like the fact that it's nothing against Orwell. It's nothing against the story. It's just the world itself, that there was no concept of time. That oh, yeah, that's drove stressful. Me crazy. That I didn't like that feeling that he didn't even know what year he was in. Do you love that he named the book the year, not even knowing what the year is? Yeah, it's ironic, I guess. <laughs> okay, so, you know, let's break down classic-ish, considered like high school assigned ones. That's my definition of classic, as you yeah, know right. from before, right. versus more modern ones. So first, I will say with classic ones, I, could, I think I can read them a little bit closer together, but I will say with more modern ones, and I'm thinking of like Maze Runner, Hunger Games, Divergent, that those kind of ones get a little too similar to me, so I need a bigger break between Very them. Very repetitive. And one of the bigger things I've noticed between the whole classic older ones and the modern ones, it feels like with modern ones that even if they do consider fighting back or rebelling, they kind of still get snuffed out to a degree or it kind of you get to see to the point where either the character is done or the timeline is done or the government wins. But it seems like in modern times, it is all about like, yep, it's messed up. And now here's the one who rises to figure out the base and throw it all down. You're absolutely right. You know, Katniss, for example, huge example. She's the one that threw everything down and changed the way everything was from here on out. And you don't really have that in this book. You keep hoping right, that one of them is going to step up and do something, fight back. There's talk of a resistance. There's talk of a brotherhood that wants to fight back, but there's never really any fighting back. Dystopian novels are as popular as ever, still getting churned out. But a lot of times the outcome is really different of just how strong people fight back and that they win get more happily well it's weird it's hard to say not really happily ever after but more satisfying ends this was very unsatisfying end yeah it just you should finish mempo that's what i call memory police i'm because i use newspeak just kidding triggered did you like that whole part about abbreviations and stuff about like why kids abbreviate stuff it doesn't sound familiar to me I mean, we abbreviate things. Totes adorbs. Totes adorbs. That's why it was so interesting. And that's why I was like, wow, he was writing about this stuff then. Let me see if I can even find it. That does not sound familiar. Really? Okay, so here it is. Yeah. So it says the fiction department was called FICDEP. The telegrams department was called Teledep and so on. This was not done solely with the object of saving time. Even in the early decades of the 20th century, telescoped words and phrases had been one of the characteristics of political language, and it had been noticed that the tendency to use abbreviations of this kind was most marked in totalitarian countries and organizations. I do not remember that. You have a steel trap with... Yep. 
with everything. So. Yeah. So I thought that was fascinating. Okay. So I got to back up. So there's the inner party, mm-hmm. which are big brothers, minions. Gin drinkers? No. The inner party gets real wine. Oh, wine. Sorry. Yeah. The the, the party in yes. general, which is what Winston is in, is the workers and who change all the propaganda and they get the gin, a lot of it. And then there's the proles who make up the majority of the thing, but they're not being watched, but they're not being worried about. Which was so weird to me. Yes. Because since they're the majority, wouldn't you think that that's where an uprising would be? Yes. And that's what Winston wanted. Yeah. But and but they were such a non-factor almost. But they were kind of almost happy. They were the happiest ones. They were like... And so... Whew, ignorance is strength. But they didn't use their strength because they were too ignorant. Whoa! We just got double thunk. <laughs> double thunk? It's <laughs> <laughs> a word. It's new speak. People in the party in the beginning would say that proles weren't human. That's why they were treated that way. They were just nothing. Like they were too Lower ignorant class, yeah. to be anything. Like just a way to be derogatory towards them. They were obviously humans. They said they weren't to just cast them down further. Eventually though, Winston said that he believed that the proles were humans and those in the party were not. And he got to this conclusion because he spent a lot of time thinking and remembering back, even though it was so fuzzy, like his mom. And how his mom stood by his side and let him be a brat and looked out. And he was like, she wasn't following any of these mumbo jumbo rules from the government. She was doing that from a place of like caring and concern and of loyalty. I remember him saying, he's like, it just seems so natural. He would be around proles a lot and he would kind of see this stuff. And he'd be like, I don't get how I'm supposed to be human when I can't have that connection. And so I think that's what he was really looking for and feeling emotion, but it was just so torn down by the big brother and the party. Yeah, I think it's very interesting how it was almost their own little caste system and that even though these people, all of them, were so oppressed, so just not able to be an individual, not able to do their own thing, live a human life, that they still found a way to be degrading (laughs) And to talk smack about people who had less than they did. And if that's a telltale about human race in general, you know, that there's always somebody lower than you on the totem pole and you're still, no matter what you're going through, no matter how shitty your life is, you're still going to find ways to talk and belittle those people. I think Winston was just saw the bullshit in that no double speak it's just flat out wrong lies um and he like one of them in particular that i loved was he was watching this woman hang you know diapers on the clothesline mm-hmm. and he was like she was singing why is she singing he questioned as part of it what does she even have to sing about or be happy for mm-hmm. after her life all she's done is raise babies and have kids why could she smile why could she sing And it's just another huge difference between them that he started to feel like he wasn't human, just like even their love connection. He's like, you don't see double beds unless you're near the proles. Yeah. They don't even share anything like that. Yeah. And Julia had never even slept in one. I think Winston had maybe slept in one once before. I don't know. So, yeah, Julia. Julia was a weird one. She was funny. She was 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 all over the place, kind of. She was. So, basically... 
Julia started out as this woman in the anti-sex league, as was displayed by her red sash around her waist, chastity belt, if you will. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, and he kept seeing her everywhere. This was kind of weird to me. <laughs> this This whole way that they connected was extremely weird for me. Yes. So he kept seeing her everywhere. He thought that she was the thought police who was going to turn him in and like yep. wanted to catch him bad. He almost killed her. Yeah. He was one minute he was thinking about how he was going to kill her and the next minute he was lusting after her. Yes. And she slipped him a note that said I'm in love with you or something. I love you. Yeah, I love you. Yeah. And he was like me, little me. And it's weird and Barico's she veins and all. And she basically she would have been a great thought police. Yeah. Because she's like, I could see it in your eyes. Well, I didn't trust her. Still. Like, even towards the end when they were caught. I I know I'm jumping ahead, but even though, even when they were caught, I still thought it was her. It was because of her. That she was going to pop up and be like, surprise! I'm a top police! I, I got you! That. She was just weird. and She was. She's like, yeah, I've slept with lots of people. And and he was okay with it. She was part of the anti-sex league. And... I also find it hard unless Pickens were that slim, but obviously not because she had them before. I was confused as to like why she was attracted to him. Like you had just briefly mentioned the varicose veins and varicose all Varicose veins can be hot. I don't know. I know. They are so hot. But he's also 39. <laughs> But that's what he said to her. He's like, are you sure? Like me, I, I'm 39. You know that, right? And she's like, yep. But she was also with a 60-year-old. Oh, that's true. So it's probably just so sprightly. <laughs> probably. So she was interesting. And that whole dynamic was just odd. I could see that it was lusty. But then because of that, I couldn't see how connected they were and why they stayed together so long and... And also, I didn't get, like, why they had to be, like, did he have to never talk to women again since he was married, even though they were separated? That's also, I had some questions about that, like, why they had to be so secret squirrel about just talking to anyone else. Yeah. Because they obviously make friends. Ish. Yeah. I mean, they never trust them, but and they talk to people. Yes, but they still don't encourage having relationships either. I think she was just so... The epitome of like naive youth and romanticizing things. One of my favorite lines was like, she did not understand that to push an inconvenient person over a cliff solves nothing. (laughs) Yes. The fact that she even asked that to begin with was a little bit strange. It was. I agree. And that was another thing too, though, of Winston having that mistrusting eye and way of looking at things. Um, his whole perspective with them was because all we're taught is like fear and hatred. Everything is skewed by that. So we can't even have like actual feelings here because all our sexual relationship is, it's not for joy and lust and like we have to be together. It's because we want to politically rebel against this oppression. And this is one way for us to do that. Yeah, I did actually pull up one of my quotes because regarding how much they despised all of the people having pleasurable sex (laughs) that wasn't just for procreation. Uh, This is one of my favorite quotes from the book. Sexual intercourse was to be looked on as a slightly disgusting minor operation, like having an enema. (laughs) Wrong hole. 
<laughs> Sorry. I enjoyed when he told her, you're only a rebel from the waist downwards. <laughs> I actually, I highlighted that too. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, and the best part of their relationship, though, is they get done having sex for the first time after meeting up. And she goes, I'm due back at 1930. I've got to put in two hours for the junior anti-sex league handing out leaflets or something. After they just got done having sex. Yeah. So there think, you go. I think that's part of it. Like you say you didn't trust her. Yeah. I definitely had hesitation about her. But I started to believe, maybe not right in the beginning, I was still pretty distrustful, but I was more believing that she was just naive and reckless and she had just been getting away with stuff for so long that that would be the downfall of not even necessarily turning him in, but her just being reckless and making dumb decisions, thinking she could get away with anything because she's young and invincible. Well, and I also tend to not trust characters like her characters who there's some sort of doubt spread on them about who they they might be what their intentions might be from the get-go and i always just don't end up ever trusting them fully. <laughs> it's just how i am i think that had a lot to do with it that he was so sketched out by her at the beginning of the book and then i was always just waiting for her to turn on him even in the end though when they were joining the brotherhood she just seemed so flighty (laughs) whatever yeah flighty yeah she just didn't care she was just young and dumb honestly yeah maybe that's what it was we can go have sex in the meadow or we can stick it to the man i don't really care or have sex i just want to have fun i don't want to be mad (laughs) have sex in the church belfour with the pigeon shit yeah they did it'd be like that sometimes when there's telescreens everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> so, okay. He originally thought Julia was a thought police, so you had a hard time ever trusting her. O'Brien, he thought he saw the like twinkle of rebellion in his eye. So, did you trust him more in the beginning? Or... Well, I didn't see that coming. Okay. If, if that's what you're wanting to know. If I saw... <laughs> So I want to know like what you thought it all was. So basically, O'Brien is a character who Winston would see about at work and like knew his name and knew he was in the inner party. Mm-hmm. And basically, like one time he saw a twinkle. He's like, oh, he must be like me. And then one time they bumped into each other and he was like, we'll meet in the darkness. Real suspo. And Winston Look, just Did you hear that news speak? Suspo. Double suspo. Double suspo. You're welcome. Thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he has this feeling about him that he's in the brotherhood or rebellious or something. And so he is like pretty attached to him. And then eventually, how did it happen that he get it set up and he got invited to his house? I don't remember. But basically, so then they do somehow communicate and he gets an invite to his house. So he shows up at O'Brien's house with Julia Even though Julia wasn't invited, that was a little weird, but whatever. But then they basically let them join the quote-unquote brotherhood while being vague and being like, I mean, there's nothing real, but it will never die. And like, no one can incriminate each other. You'll know nothing. You'll get orders and do missions and that's it. 
And this is your first contact and you'll only get three contacts or... And you'll probably never see me again yeah. or you might, but you won't know it because surgery will change my face. It, which was so weird. It felt like an episode of Twilight Zone when he was talking about all of that stuff. Yeah. And they're also getting them to promise they would do anything no matter what. And like, but could you pour acid on a child's face? Yeah. Could you yeah. do this, that, and the other? Could you do this terrible thing? Could you do this terrible could thing? Could you betray each other? Yeah. Like everything to get them to commit. And then they basically told them like, okay, you're going to need to read this book to join and then you'll be in and then you'll get missions. So he gets this book and he's reading it out loud in his secret spot with Julia in like an apartment above some parole shop where there's supposed to be no telescreen that they've been meeting for years, I think, by that point. But we don't know because they don't measure time. They don't measure time, yeah. <laughs> and there's bugs and rats and it's yucky. And they still do it. And... He's reading the book out loud to Julia, and then he's, like, turned in and caught, and the thought police are there, and they're getting arrested. So you think the whole thing with O'Brien was a sting the whole time? I don't know about that. Okay. So tell me tell me what you think it was, then. Like, what was O'Brien? I think that O'Brien was legit. I think that there was something there. You think he was in the rebellion? Yeah. Okay, um, so you think I, he was in the rebellion. I think he was, and I think that he was genuinely trying to recruit... Winston, I don't, I still don't know how. So what got him caught then? I still, I still think it's Julia. But she was in there too. So? She got tortured and she betrayed him. That's what she said. Man. So, okay. Note to all the authors listening. We know there's tons of them. The first (laughs) impression you give of any character, Caitlin will never let go of ever, ever. First impressions mean a lot to me. <laughs> because, wow, I, you didn't, you weren't wow. suspicious of her at all. No, like I wasn't. What do you? Who do I you didn't think, think she was, was out to get him. I think she was just young and dumb. I think O'Brien was setting them up. Like for what though? Because he was a thought police, or because he? Yeah. It's. I mean, that's how it works when people catch you doing stuff really i mean here in this book yes they say like just a thought is enough to incriminate you but how can he ever prove that enough to like torture him over but when he has a contraband book that he's reading and reading aloud to someone but and then he actually catches him in the act of it but that O'Brien gave to him he told O'Brien where his hiding spot was and was caught within like the week Julia also knew where his hiding spot was because they had sex And he there. was never caught with her for months and months. Why would she just suddenly, after meeting O'Brien, you think she was just ready to throw Winston under the bus because she found someone new? Like, why would she suddenly lose interest in him? She had been with allegedly hundreds of other men before him. She was young as, you know, and she's been with so many men. Like, why is she with him for so long? When she's been with all of these other men. Why? Why? Why now? I think she's trying to frame O'Brien, but she's the bad guy the whole time. I don't know about framing O'Brien, but you can't make a hoe into a housewife. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. She was young and dumb and she had a good setup to get what she wanted. But why stay with Winston then? I don't know why she stayed with Winston. I don't know why she started with Winston, honestly. Well, yeah, but... I don't understand the minds of hoes. But 
why else why but why would it happen so fast as soon as they get the book as soon as they're finally maybe she was in it with o'brien maybe they were in it together i don't know she was not innocent i feel so we have alluded to this torture and portrayal of julia that julia got it to allegedly 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 caitlin did did we did we see it we saw o'brien fucking his world up did we see Julia? We saw her changed. Did we see <laughs> Julia getting tortured? Just so, so. I inferred it. I inferred that that actually happened, okay? Well, I inferred that it did not. <laughs> I did not see this coming. <laughs> I didn't either. So. I didn't know I'm such an untrusting person no you do trust you trust what the author says first and then you will not sway <laughs> from that no o'brien was in the rebellion and julia was in the thought police and you will not change my mind no matter how many chapters there are after that it's, that say otherwise it's like that meme with the guy at the table sitting there like julia was in the thought police and o'brien was in the rebellion change my mind <laughs> go oh man you can't we will have to discuss this with our followers for sure but let's talk about the torture do you remember darcy remember mr darcy in pride and prejudice couldn't change my mind with that <laughs> you couldn't i'm telling you like um, i just get stuck on things you do wow. i didn't know this about me wow the podcast is just so enlightening it is so we learn so much about <sighs> ourselves are we allowed to talk about the torture yet? Or are we still stuck on this? I am having a, <laughs> oh, a self-reflection okay. epiphany here. Oh, epiphany is a great Taylor Swift song. So eventually Winston gets caught while in bed reading to Julia. And then he gets tortured for all of his crimes. And who is his torturer? The innocent member of the rebellion just torturing this guy, O'Brien. That was all sarcasm because I don't trust O'Brien. Anyways. <laughs> so. I have nothing to say on this matter. So they were doing lots of things and he would not necessarily give him what they wanted. Like lots of physical pain, physical torture, all these things. And they'd be like, tell us two plus two equals five, Winston. And he would, of course, say four. Right. For the longest time. For pain. And then O'Brien brings out winston's biggest fear rats and not just rats no but like a rat mask that he's gonna put on his head and have the rats just go free okay let me just say to you even if you're not afraid of rats if that freaking does not freak you Hmm. <laughs> no, it reminds me of the what is it, the Rat King or whatever in the Nutcracker. <laughs> Have you ever seen like what is it? What do you know what I'm talking about? Just because they're both no. rats. No, 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 no. Have you ever been to like a, a live performance of the Nutcracker ballet? Yes. And how the rat dances around? <laughs> That's what's scary to you, dancing no, rats. You just don't. You describing him wearing like a rat mask and everything reminded me of the rat in the Nutcracker. <laughs> no, the rat doesn't have a mask. No, I know that. 
sun. I thought you meant like a person dressed like a rat, like in the Nutcracker, because that clearly is not a real rat. It's not? I can't even with you. What is going on here? We need to stop recording at night with wine. We really do. Oh, you no, guys. The rat dancing around. I know it's a human in there. I'm very confused as to how a very terrifying... <laughs> I can't. I'm very confused as to how an absolutely terrifying mask that traps the rat around your head just reminds you so strongly of a dancing rat king. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> like the only common denominator is a rat, but apparently that's not what reminds you of it. Look, I can't. <laughs> I get the rat mask in here, but then I was reading it, <laughs> and I just kept reading "rat mask," and I just kept thinking about the Nutcracker. Okay, well, so was it not that scary for you? You still would no, have I just didn't. never betrayed Julia. Oh, I was terrified. I could not. Okay, so if rats on a mask and over your head will not do it for you. And that just reminds you of happier times at the ballet. Tell me what your torture would be then that would get you to betray your loved ones. Anything involving heights, open water. I can go on. Like, I'm a bitch. Those sound fun. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm a scaredy cat. Wow. Open water, especially. Burning alive. I'm a certified Uh, open water scuba diver. I am a certified stand on the beach and watch you scuba dive. We're going to Hawaii next month. Are you going to snooba? No. Are you going to snorkel? Yeah, on the shore. Hmm. We're not going out. I've already decided that. Is that a shore thing? That's a shore thing. We're going to stay docked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, so all that O'Brien would have to do is get you on top of a high building and you'd be like, don't get me up here. Push that bitch off. I would say, like, dangle me from a high building. Dangle. Hmm. Yeah. Would rat nutcracker do it for you? Yeah. Especially the mask on my head. Don't touch me. I don't like them. But also snakes. Snakes and rodents. Oh, snakes. Okay. If it was a mask filled with snakes, I think I would definitely probably have been a little bit more scared. Really? Rats don't do it for you? Yeah. Wow. Although. Wow. I say that, like I say that in theory, in theory, they do not. In theory, they do not. But I've never had a face full of rat before. Me neither. But it doesn't like, it doesn't make me squeamish, like even thinking about it. Snakes though. Oh, I do not like snakes. Yeah, no, that, I'm like Indiana Jones. I do not do snakes. Why has it always got to be snakes? After Winston himself alone betrayed julia during this rat torture he got a better job he was not worried about the thought police turning him in or being watched or anything because he believed that big brother no longer cared about him why do you think that happened 
and like what do you think made this change so permanent well it's permanent as far as we know it could have certainly changed after the story so I'm not going to say it's completely permanent since we don't know, we don't have all of the information. Oh, so you're not just going to kill everyone off like you did in the push and decide how the book ends? <laughs> I'm going to flip this table and walk out. <laughs> Do not use past episodes against me. Oh, so sorry. Uh, Yeah, no, um, I'm not really sure why he all of a sudden had this change of heart other than maybe realizing like, hey, yeah, I went through that. I did it. It is what it is. There was a time when O'Brien explained it to him of, you know, we don't want to just destroy our enemies. We want to change them. So he clearly believes that something is changing inside these people. So what would have changed? I don't know. Like something mentally snaps. But I also don't get how he couldn't act or perform better if that would have gotten it to stop. And he acted like, he was like, oh, intelligence is hard to get, but so is stupidity, actually. Because he just, like, would not break and say two plus two equals five. I, that's where I was very, very stumped. Because it's like, what, what could have happened during all of this torture that all of a sudden you're like, yeah, cool, all right, let's go on. That sucks. And I also don't get why he never necessarily followed through with the rat thing. He was just like, oh, you said the magic words. We're done here. Because I feel like something almost happening and then me saying the magic words isn't very believable. But if you like actually scar me for life by doing the thing while I'm screaming it and making you believe it, I don't want to ever possibly associate anything with this again. So I'm going to be much more hesitant about turning back. But wouldn't you think that that would make him more anxiety riddled? That if that I would be anxiety riddled for a long time after that, <laughs> even coming close. I don't remember if you remember the story last year where I snapped you after I almost stepped on a snake. Yes. I still freak out on my walks a little bit. And I'm like searching the ground because I don't want to be snuck up like that again. No, I get it, because um, about that same time, I also had a run-in with a snake, if you recall, mm-hmm. where I was cleaning out my uh, flower garden, and I don't even know what I would was. never go in my backyard again. Well, I'm not going to go that far, but... So I was cleaning out the flower bed, <laughs> and I grabbed just a handful of dead foliage, and... We don't need to talk about them. My hand was wiggling... And I go, what is that? And I look at my hand. Do you want to go snake. like lean over my balcony? Why? I don't know. I thought we were torturing each other right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was just sharing my story. And then I cried. I'm going to cry right now because that I... story freaks me out so terribly. And then I set my backyard on fire. I was saying about once how I saw a snake and I'm still not okay. <laughs> and so then you really had to go into detail and really freak me out. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm not a fan of yard work after that. Uh, No. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, I should hire someone this year. Although it's never going to stop snowing, so it doesn't matter. Aww. I'm sad. All right. So I'm going to lift the mood up and try to get rid of my heebie-jeebies by okay. sharing a story. Okay. Oh, I thought that was your story that you wanted to share. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. So when I was in high school, my high school was really cool, and it was a big deal every year for the juniors. That when we were studying our dystopian novels, of which I'm pretty sure we only did 1984 and Brave New World, 
um, we had a 1984 day that every single student in the junior class had to participate in. It was like a graded assignment. And so we all had to wear the same outfit being in, you know, the working party class like we were and with white shirt and jeans. Some people were assigned as actual like members of the thought police and like, and even like in different grades, like you couldn't like slack off in your other classes during that day. Like it was so serious. Like all the stuff, like you were being watched in all your classes to see how you did on this grade. Did you have your two minutes of hate? We should have. Oh, you didn't? I will write back to Miss Reardon. Please do. And say, hey, you, we need to include that. Um, no, but what I remember is in my English class, we had this group of boys who were all very good friends. <laughs> and they like pulled off like some crazy like stand-up rebellion where they were all going to fight Big Brother in this class. And it was amazing. I don't think anyone had ever tried that before because everyone did take this seriously because it was graded. But they got sent to the principal's office. What? And like got zeros on the assignment, I'm pretty sure, because they tried to speak out against Big Brother. It was wild. Okay, so that's like the epitome of this book. Like that is like, that is this book. It was amazing. That's crazy. It was fun. But yeah, they did that every year. And, like, you always knew who all the juniors were dressing the exact same. It was wild. So, you've reread this now. Mm-hmm. This is your now third reread for this show. Yeah, I'm loving my rereads. It's a hoot. Do you remember a lot of this from high school? No, not at all. I think okay. I blocked it out because I was like, I don't want to. I might not even have, like, read it fully, maybe just enough to, like, get the assignments. Or I do remember I didn't like it as much. I really liked Brave New World. Should we confess to the world now? Oh, yes, we should. Every month, we sit down and we make a list of the books that we want to have you guys vote on on our Instagram stories on the episode that we'll feature on the last um, the last episode of the month. And so last month, when we were brainstorming on which books to include, we mistakenly wrote down 1984 instead of Brave New World. Because we were just like, oh, high school assigned dystopia novels. (laughs) Potato, potato. Exactly. And so (laughs) we threw it up there, didn't even notice it until it came down to a tie (laughs) between 1984 and... I don't even remember. I don't remember what other book it was. But it came down to a tie and then Kimmy's like... We didn't mean to do 1984. <laughs> I was like, well, too late now. Yep. And then 1984 obviously won. So <laughs> we never intended to read this book. Nope. We never intended to vote on this book. We wanted to do the one I genuinely remember liking. Yeah. So, so. this was interesting. It was really funny because um, Kimmy and I went to our favorite local bookstore books are awesome hey and we i got um 1984 there and i brought it home and i had it on the kitchen table my husband walks in and goes yeah is our daughter reading this for her assignment for school (laughs) and i was like no and he's like well who's reading it and i was like me (laughs) he's like you why (laughs) i was like 
well, funny story. And told him. Yeah, I told him. And <sighs> he was just like shocked that this book was even in our house. But he wants to read this book now. He, has he ever read it? He has not. Oh. Which is surprising. Is he going to listen to the episode after? I don't know. He admitted that he listened to three episodes. Ooh. The first three episodes. I said, well, you That's have a wild. lot to listen to. Because he wanted to use a Lost Chill coffee mug uh, today. And I said, those are for fans only. <laughs> fans only. Um, That's only fans. Oh. <laughs> I'm hip. So it's funny to me that you have a story with your husband about us reading this. Mine was like much more of a stab in the heart because we were discussing it. My husband's like, huh. Yeah, it's all right. Brave New World's a lot better. I was like, I know, I know. Just rub that salt in that wound. Right? So here we are. Check. I mean, maybe in a few months we'll throw Brave New World up there. We can't get it confused with any other book, really. So We may have to. I want to read it again. I've, I am drowning, drowning in library book checkouts yeah. and arcs a little bit. So I might not get to it soon. I would like to read it. Yeah. So maybe when it's coming up on my radar, we'll throw it up for a vote. That being said, Kimmy, would you recommend this? Yes. I have realized, I don't know if it's just like a mood thing this year. I know we were all about saying historical fiction and the historical, two particular historical fiction books I've read this year out of 42 have definitely been some of my top favorites. But overall... I'm realizing that I really, really, really love like time-centric books. I just like that theme and that feel of those books, even if they're not my favorite. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Like The Midnight Library, Mm -hmm. great book, not a top fave. Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, all-time fave. So I really like those kind of books. And I really, really, really like dystopian novels. I realized a lot. Okay. I don't think I realized how much I love them, but I really love them. (laughs) So I would recommend them. You like fast-paced, you like thrill, you don't like to be sad. Did this book do it for you? No. What was it? Was it too slow? I liked it. Okay. I wouldn't read it again. Was it too much of a downer? Yes. It was too much this could happen. <laughs> too it was scary. Too but you like to be scared. You Not- like horrors. Not <laughs> oh, in this way. You crack way. me up. You Not crack me up. Not in this way. I don't like this. It's it's uncomfortable. It's it's too real. It <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Um I've also realized recently with after we read The Vanishing Half, I am way more into character-centric books. And this book is more plot-driven. Definitely. As opposed to character driven. And I'm realizing that that's where my true loves lie is when a character or a book is so well developed in the characters and not necessarily the plot. That's fair. That 100% would not have been fitting for this book, which is about no. destroying the individual. Correct. So I. There's no way that you could have gotten around that. No. I'm also not the biggest fan of dystopian novels other than The Hunger Games. And those were okay for me. 
Um, None of them are like my top favorites, but I always get like so sucked in. They, they're they good. I like them. Yeah. Like, they're good, but they're not something I seek out. You know what I mean? I also haven't read a lot of... Mm. I've read Divergent. Is that the one by Cassandra Clare? Mm. There's another one that I've read too. No, that's not. Divergent's different. I've read a couple of different series. They're just not my cup of tea. Series are also like way different. and Because honestly, it's like a huge, huge, huge spreading genre that can be like anything from action packed to not like memory police was like no other way to put it really was one of the quietest books i've ever read it's it is quiet i'm not done with that one that one got really weird i i need to we need to talk when you finish that one okay that one got very abstract okay which was odd okay but then there's some that are even more realistic um, when I was posting about 1984 today, a lot of people were mentioning Station Eleven, which I've actually read. And that one's almost like post-apocalyptic, like post-pandemic aftermath of all these people who, su- who survived something that... Station Eleven. I read it a few years ago, like pre-COVID times. I feel like Thank you've goodness. talked to me about that before. Probably. That was something. But it's like I've a definitely, heard definitely it. different feel of dystopia because it's more like what's left after humanity instead of this all-controlling government. I've read all sorts of them. It can be a pretty broad genre, honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but I enjoy it. It's wild. I wouldn't say that this was bad. Don't get me wrong. I like it much more than I remember liking it in high school. I'm glad. I just, it's not my cup of tea. And that's okay. I'm glad I read Some it. Some people don't like tea. I prefer coffee. I prefer coffee as well. I've read it now. I can say that I've read it. I can talk with people about it. I can. Did you like it more than Pride and Prejudice? Yes. (laughs) Fucking Mr. Darcy. Still mad at him. We've we've learned something about you now. I didn't know I had this issue of holding character grudges. Yeah. Wow. I didn't either. I think maybe it's because I'm so character driven. I don't know, because I like character-driven a lot, but if they're stagnant, I don't like it. So I need that arc and development, and I might not like them in the beginning, but... You always need arc and development, but it doesn't doesn't mean I'm not going to... Hold it against them and have character grudges. Yeah. It's not my fault that you sucked at the beginning of the book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So we hope that you enjoyed hearing our thoughts on 1984 and learning some of our reading quirks. We want to hear your thoughts too, so please head over to The Lost Chill this week on Instagram and Facebook. Tell us your thoughts on this book. Interact with us. Tell us these questions. Tell us, tell us if you want more classics, more dystopian novels. If you want a thriller, tell us what you want, and we'll throw it up in the listener's choice voting. Which should be coming out very shortly. Nope. It should already be out at this point. Sorry, we time travel for these. It's very confusing. So give us a follow so you'll always know what books are on the horizon. And you can also find out more about us in the show along with blog posts at thelostchill.com. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't have to worry about missing an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday morning, just in time to have with your coffee, tea, mimosa, mimosa bellini, bloody mary. Ew, no. I'm not a fan. They always smell so good, but... <laughs> you want to try it just for kicks? Yeah. Like a martini?
I knew you were going there. (laughs) (laughs) So recently, Katie was like, I want a martini just because it looks fun and everyone else is doing it. And I recently started liking olives. (laughs) Spoiler alert. She did not like martinis. (laughs) Oh, God. It was terrible. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was the worst thing ever. So don't ever get a regular or dry martini. Don't do it. I mean, you guys can if you know you like them. I've met Caitlin. No. Flavored martinis are okay because they taste nothing like that. Like chocolate, lemon. They like to make a lot of desserty martinis, and I think they just throw it in because it has vodka in there. But That was a bad choice on my part. It was. It was. But it's all right. We've, we've learned. We keep learning so much about you. They Katie doesn't good. like martinis, and she holds character grudges. What can I say? And she thinks Bloody Marys smell good. They do. They don't. They do. They smell like a garden and gardens are gross. That's what my food eats. Anyways. So next week, (laughs) we will be taking a break. Like Katie said, we have lots of vacations coming up and we want to try to just remain consistent. I think we're going to aim for four episodes a month. And next week has five Tuesdays. So we're going to stick it at four and not give us an extra one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But go back and listen to any episodes that you missed. Yeah. And miss we'll us still a be lot. active on social media. Yes. We'll still be around. So talk to us. Talk to us. Let us know what you want to hear. In. Yeah. Um, but we're going to just kind of try and get ahead on our recording schedule. We will do that. So the week after our break, we're going to be doing Caitlin's first coho. It's going to be called Verity by Colleen Hoover. And after that is a cozy little mystery called Finley Donovan is Killing It by L. Cosimano. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. I it's apologize. cozy like the mystery. Cozy Mono? Just kidding. I made oh. that up. That was, I thought, oh, maybe you had a little play on words. Cozy Mono? I don't know. Cosimano. Um, Be so sure. yeah, I'm yeah. excited about that one. I am too. Very excited about these books coming up. Be sure to check out our Instagram and Facebook to know all of the upcoming books for June and beyond. If you're enjoying Lost Chill, please leave us a review wherever you listen to us. We would be so grateful if you did. We can't wait to hear your thoughts about this book. And we are so thankful for everyone who's tuned into our show and keeps coming back too. See you next time. Bye. Aww.